certainly is a blessing to be here. And I look forward to the next few sessions that we have together. It is not my intention to come in here and change the, the world. It's not my intention to come here and change the United States of America, change your family or this community, but it is my intention, if at all possible, to help us to grow individually. And uh, if we can do that, we will have accomplished a lot in this particular series of lessons. Here we are today. I don't know what you came prepared to do, but I know that we should come prepared to do something. And you might say, we'll worship God. Absolutely. You might say, fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Absolutely. But one of the things that we need to understand that there's two kinds of people here this morning. There are those who need comfort and there are those who need to comfort. And I don't know which category you fall into because I don't know about your, your individual lives. But I do know about life. And life is going to throw us some things from time to time where we need the comfort of someone else. We need God to send us an angel an angel in the form of a human being that's going to get us through a particular situation. We need that. And we need to challenge ourselves to show up and be ready. If we're not needing comfort, there's someone around us that is. See, in the Bible, you notice in all through the New Testament, in fact, all through humanity's existence, that fiery trials will come upon you. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Some of you can say, and I remember a few of them, they were treacherous, and I made it through it. How did you make it through it? We need to also understand, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Lord said in Matthew 5 at verse 10. So fiery trials, persecutions are going to come. I do not need someone when they come just to be compassionate. I need a comforter. You remember Job of old? His illnesses, his losses, and he had his three friends to come. And they sat there with their mouth shut. And when they opened their mouth, they started bad-mouthing him. And he basically said, sorry comforters are ye. I don't need that kind of comfort. But when we need comfort, and there is no comfort around, but a lot of compassionate people around, it's not going to help all that much. Now, let me show you the difference between compassion and comfort, okay? James, the second chapter, verses 15, 16, and 17, and we'll get to my passage that I want to study in just a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But in James chapter 2, if a brother be naked and destitute of food and he comes to you and you say, be warmed and filled. In other words, go your way, be ye warmed and filled. And do not give, distribute to his needs. Then... You have compassion, you're sorry that he's in that condition. 
but you do not have comfort. What would it take in that place to be a comforter? Not someone to say, go your way, be ye warmed and filled, but someone to say, well, here's a, a tuna fish sandwich. Here's some, I, I've got this old rag in the closet, but it'll keep you from being naked. Someone to comfort. So when we're in these fiery trials, and Christians, you get there from time to time, the devil's going to see that you get there from time to time. Where are the comforters? Or do we end up being like the comforters of Job? It must be your fault, Job. You must have done something, Job. No, I, didn't. I don't know anything. Oh, you had to do something because you know God wouldn't do that to you. It had to be your fault. Or you deserve it. We really don't need someone like that. The devil's doing a good enough job of doing that. What we need is a comforter. Now let me add something else before we get to our text. It's very difficult to be a comforter of others unless you have gone through what those people have gone through. You know, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. When you sympathize with, oh, I feel so sorry for you, you know, I, I wouldn't want to have been married to her for that many years either, you know. Uh, we, we need somebody that can put themselves in our shoes. And a comforter, by definition, is not just an encourager, but someone willing to walk along beside are you willing to stand beside me are you willing to walk and help me and hold my hand and hold my arm and embrace me during this very difficult time and I'm telling you something Christians we're failing in that area when you get in a bind many of the compassionate people are not there they think, well, they can work it out themselves, or I've got enough problems of my own, and they're not there. And one of the things that we have to do, and we're going to learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, are you turning there? You've got to do it. God puts you through certain things in order that you may help someone else. I don't know that that is always the case of, of what we do. Let's see if I can find it. 2 Corinthians is our text of study. And let's begin in chapter 1 at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the church of God, that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready now? I'm going to read a passage in which the word comfort is used 10 times. It's only used 31 times in all the New Testament. And it's amazing that in this short passage, it's used 10 times. In fact, it makes it a little, diff little difficult to read. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He pronounces a blessing toward God. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. I want you to think just a moment what he had been through in his Christian life. Numerous things. He had been beaten with rods, with whips. He had been stripped naked. He had been starved. He had been shipwrecked. He had been humiliated by his own countrymen, by foreign, everything. And he says, blessed be the God. <laughs> Can you do that? Or do you want to arise one day when the fiery trials are upon you and do you want to say, cursed be the God? Blessed be the God. The Father of mercies. And watch this. And the God of all what? He called him the God of all comfort. Paul, do you know what you're saying? Didn't it hurt when you were beaten? Wasn't it a terrible uh, event in your life when you were shipwrecked? He said, the God of all comfort. You mean he can do more than a doctor or a lawyer or a family member or a friend? Or, yes, the God of all comfort. Keep that in mind. Some people say, why should I be a Christian? Why should I be a believer in God? Because you're going to need comfort. And when you need comfort and you need love, since God is love, 1 John 4 verse, since God is the God of all comfort, you need God whether you want to recognize it or not. In fact, when you are comforted by someone, do you realize that that comfort came from God? When you're loved by someone, do you realize that love came from God? Follow the source. The source is God. He's the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Paul, why are you suffering all these things? Because Christ had to. Because he called upon me to be righteous in the midst of persecution and suffering. I'm suffering but I'm going to receive the same comfort that Christ received. What did God say after the cross? Come on out of that grave, Jesus Christ. Come on up here to my right hand. What's he going to say to us? When you've gone through the fiery trials and the persecutions of life, what's he going to God's going to reach out and he's going to say, I'm going to give you some comfort. And the greatest comfort he'll give us one of these days will be when he calls us home. When he calls us home. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Paul said, yeah, I've been mistreated. All you have to do is turn over to that 11th chapter and read how he'd been mistreated. But he said, I've been mistreated so that you can be saved and so that I can comfort you. I've had... When you go through some trials, every once in a while you'll get a note or a text or something from someone and says something like this. 
I don't know why you had to go through it. You seem like such a good person. You seem like you had a good family. But I don't know why you had to go through it. And you know what the person's thinking? I don't know why I had to go through it either. But Paul could have said the same thing. I don't know why I have to take all these stripes on my back. I don't know why I have to starve and be naked and mistreated and thrown in prison. And then, but he says, I know why I had to. So I could comfort you and you could be saved. So I could bring salvation to you. I had to go through it, he said. He didn't resent it. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. How bad was it, Paul? He said, we had some bad times in Asia. How bad? Watch this. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. It got so bad, and we really don't know what he's talking about here. It may have been when he was stoned. He said, we were in such despair that we thought we were going to lose our life. Some of you have been close to that, probably, in that same situation. Thought you was going to lose it. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that, we will, that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Wow, what a passage. When you think that life is coming down on you, when you think that the end is near, you need to read, not necessarily Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, but we need to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 to show us that God is there. He is wanting to comfort us and give us. What is it? Into every life, a little rain must fall. Probably when we're in the midst of one of those terrible, terrible storms in our life, we think this is not a little rain. This is a storm. This is destroying us. I don't know what I'm going to do. But remember this, the promise of the Bible is, are you listening? Troubles will come. Now I know that's not a popular thing today to say. Popular thing for me to say would be, if you'll become a Christian, you won't have any more trials and tribulations and troubles. You won't have any more difficulty with money. You'll be financially well off. You won't have any difficulty with your health. You'll be healthy all the time. I know that's a popular, but it's not biblical. 
Biblically speaking, troubles will come. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, in this life you will have tribulation. Don't you believe what he says? Well, prepare for it. Prepare for the troubles that are going to come. They're part of life. It's there. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, shall suffer persecution. I mean, that's a promise, isn't it? So troubles are going to come. Well, because troubles are going to come, I need to be able to get through them. And so I need comfort. I need someone to walk along beside me to make it through. And here Paul says, one that will walk along beside you is the God of all comfort. I love that verse, verse 3. You ever been in a situation where you didn't get much comfort from your family? (laughs) Didn't receive any comfort from your friends that you thought you had. Or your neighbors. In fact, they were against you. And here we have where you're in the midst of the troubles that are going to come. And you need someone to walk along beside you. The God of all comfort is there. I can remember on a number of occasions, people saying to me, I don't know what I would have done without God. That's that's a huge statement. I don't know what I would have done without God. I'm thinking of one woman, when she's an elderly lady, But when she walks in her house, after being out, she's a single elderly lady, after being on a walker, being out driving in a car to get the groceries, most of the time, you know, you get a little age on you, your trips are to either the pharmacy, the doctor, the hospital. After she gets back home and she reaches up, opens her door and reaches up to the right to hang her keys on the little hook she has there. She holds her hand on the wall and says, thank you, God. I said to her, I said, Margaret, what are you thanking him for? He brought me home safely. She's to that age, she can't trust in herself much anymore. Afraid she may fall, stumble, afraid that she may make a driving mistake. Thank you, God. She removes it, moves about her little house there. Because the God of all comfort comforts her there. And she appreciates it so much. As you study this text here in 2 Corinthians, let's give you a little background here. Paul has to write this because here's what was being said about him. False teachers were going around and they were saying things like, Paul is no apostle. If he were an apostle of God, 
then he wouldn't be having to go through all these things that he's having to go through. You know, he wouldn't have to go to prison. It wouldn't be necessary for him to uh, be thrown in, in a dungeon. It wouldn't be necessary for him to uh, face all these trials that he faces. He's no apostle. God wouldn't let his apostles do that. That was what was being said about him. So he wrote this, and he, he says, My sufferings, my heartaches, my difficulties are a blessing. Are a blessing. Now, boy, that would really get back to the instigators of all this opposition against Paul, you know. Here he is saying, I consider what you consider a curse, I consider it a blessing. I've been through these sufferings just like Christ went through these sufferings. And as a result of that, look what I can do that you false apostles can't do. I can go and talk to my brethren. Many of them who were having to suffer at this time because of the opposition of Satan and the wicked world in which they were living, I can go to them and say, you can make it through it. God brought me through it. And you can make it through this difficult situation. You can do it. When you, when you look at this, and in the midst of this passage that says, I'm needing comforter, Paul eulogizes God. He, he blesses God for the difficulty that he had faced in life. You know, there's some passages that are hard to, hard to comprehend. Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations. That's that James says, that's difficult. Or in everything, by prayer and supplication, give thanks unto the Lord. Whoa, <laughs> did you say everything? In everything, when he wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In everything. Have you had your leg cut off? Have you had your heart worked on? Have you had your brain inspected? In everything. By prayer and supplication, give thanks unto the Lord. Those are difficult passages. But that's exactly what this apostle is saying here. I praise God. I eulogize God. I hold him up. I bless God for the sufferings that I've gone through. Do you know why he could do that? All of you know the Great Commission, don't you? You know the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Okay? Go to every nation, preaching the gospel. But it comes down to the conclusion, there in Matthew, the 28th chapter, with one of the greatest promises that you can ever have. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. 
Lo, I am with you always. Even my wife won't do that. She only promised till my death or her death. And that was 53 years ago, I guess. Your doctor won't do that. He'll probably, when they call him the last time and you're on your deathbed, he'll probably say, well, you know, I'm too busy. Come on over. You guys take care of him. I'll be it. Won't go there. But God and the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm going to be there. Hebrews 13 chapter, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be there. And this is what the apostle Paul was counting on. He had believed in God and followed God. A little child, three years old. Thunderstorm outside. You have thunderstorms here in Nebraska? Thunder and lightning crashing and all that stuff. Have you ever had a three-year-old child out of their bed and in your bed at 2.30 in the morning? Why did they get out of their bed and come to your bed at 2.30 in the morning? For what? For comfort. And all that child had to hear was somebody wrap their arms around it and say, it'll be okay. It's going to be all right. You'll be safe. And Christians, the reason we're Christians, we need God to wrap his arms around us and say at times, it's going to be okay. You'll make it. It'll be fine. Have you ever been with a person at the moment of their death? Maybe two or three. I've had several experiences of that. I've even said the words, it's going to be okay. Your father has promised. It's going to be okay. And let me tell you something. Me, you, all of us, we need to have open arms to say to our brothers and sisters in Christ who may need comfort on that day. It's going to be okay. I'll be there with you. But if you say that, you better be willing to walk by their side. Don't tell them it's going to be okay and they look around and you're gone. Don't do that. That only hurts. But when we study a text like this, we need to understand that God has said, I'll be with you. You can count on me. And sometimes you're going to go through things in life and when you ask the question, why? And you will. Why is this happening to me? Why am I having to experience? Why did this not take place with so-and-so rather than me? When you ask the question why, have you noticed that a lot of times there's no answer? Well, if there's no answer to the question why, quit asking why and ask the question, who can I go to? Who? And God has always said, I'll be there. You can always come to me. You can always come. And I will be there. And we will walk together. When Jesus told his disciples in John the 13th chapter, I'm going away. 
I'm going away, and where I go, you cannot go. They were greatly disturbed. Greatly disturbed. In other words, they were so perplexed that they were in confusion. So you open the 14th chapter of John with what? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. They were still confused. And so he utters the word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Don't you love those first six verses of John's gospel there in the 14th chapter? Because it's words of comfort. What about these words? Matthew the 11th chapter, the end of that chapter. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. He's trying to comfort us. Why would you come, Jesus? I am come that you may have life, and life more abundantly. John the 10th chapter at verse 10. Well, the apostle Paul knew those things. And that's the reason he can say in the midst of difficulty, the great comforter has comforted me. And now I can comfort others. I know that all of you are living your life based on scripture. Promises in the Bible. If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, passages like that, they live in our life, they live every day in our life, and they ought to. See, we have a great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 15 says that he was tempted in all points like as we are. What does that mean? That means he understands. He understands when you're going through whatever you're going through. When people don't like you, he understands. When you're having difficulty on a given situation, he understands. Yet without sin, it says there in verse 15. And we can't say that. But we can say when we do sin, God forgive me. God forgive me. And he will comfort us. He will lead us in the right direction. So, you know, it's not always the right thing to say to a person, well, I sorrow for your loss. probably better to say let me help you through this loss I'm going to tell you a a little personal story of course preachers oughtn't be telling personal stories so you just track this out okay just pretend I didn't tell you this but I'm going to tell you anyway a few months ago I have a niece, 
She's a physician. Her and her husband have three children. Oldest, 14, boy. And then two little girls. Her husband's birthday was coming up. So they drove a couple of hours to his parents' home. to celebrate her husband's birthday. When they arrived on this Saturday, the father-in-law, her father-in-law, her husband's dad, of course, says to her husband and to her 14-year-old boy, let's go out to the gun range. They went out to the gun range where they'd been numerous times before to do some target shooting. And some way, the grandfather's gun went off and took the side of the head of the 14-year-old out. Mother, who was a physician, was quickly called. She went there. Of course, she could do nothing but fall upon his body and weep and cry. My uh, sister, the mother's mother, of course, and her husband were called in. We had the funeral. Everyone involved was a member of the Lord's Church. Yes, the grandfather whose gun took the life of he was a gospel preacher. My brother-in-law is a gospel preacher. The family of members of the church. All believe in God. All have followed God for years and years in their life. But my heart Especially their hearts were broken. Broken. How did it happen? How could it happen? Why? A 14-year-old boy, very bright student, you know, everything. How did it happen? And then, after it's over with, how can you get comfort? How can you explain the why? You can't explain the why. How do you get comfort? Gary? You do everything you can do. You have a, a funeral that seven or 800 people were there. You find a, a beautiful place to put the body in a cemetery you hadn't even thought about because you're a young family, hadn't been thinking about it. You find, go out and find a beautiful place. Try to have it as close as you can to your, your beautiful home and all that kind of stuff. But how do you find comfort? You can't just say, well, it happens. Death happens and walk away from it. That doesn't work. Everybody handles death a different way. All you can say is God will bring us through it. 
God will bring us through it. I try to keep in close contact with them, and so far, things seem to be going okay. But you know, there's terrible days ahead. Anyone who's lost anyone close to them, you know it takes two years to kind of get through it. All those birthdays, all those holidays, all those things, you, you, you let them make it at least two years. God, help me. Help me to make it through this time. And here comes the God of all comfort. And he says, you know, look to somebody else and give them comfort. So this morning, I don't know about your condition. You may be just a perfect little person today, feeling great all over, not needing any comfort at all. I don't know. If you are, then you be sure to comfort someone else. Comfort someone else. Because they are in need of it. Somebody needs some encouragement. Somebody needs it not only in bereavement, but in sickness and in financial difficulty, just in living life. There's hardships and there's sufferings. And every hurt needs a little comfort. Remember when you skint your elbow? And mama looked it over and she wiped it around and maybe kissed close to the sore. (laughs) Felt a lot better, didn't it? Felt a lot better. We need to be helping people feel a lot better. God is going to help us feel a lot better. But he wants us as his people to help people feel a little bit better. Okay, we're out of time almost. Get two minutes here. Go ahead and make your comments. If you don't agree with what I say, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to still say it. Do you realize realize our responsibility, Christian? You're not here just to be here. We are here um, in life to be of service. And that's what we need to be doing. Back row back here. You got anything to say about the class? Add middle section up here. You got something? No, a lot of us are. So you don't, you don't look, you don't look at a person and know everything they've gone through. You don't know what all they've gone through, and it's amazing what some of us have had to go through. But we've made it. Any comments back here? With the exception of my wife, she can't make a comment. <clears throat> In here. Mm-hmm. How many of us have ever thought about when we're down and out, when things aren't going well, instead of whining and bringing stuff on ourselves, do we say something good about God? Yeah. Like Paul did. I mean, he sat there and just wrote over and over to whoever was writing. Right. Hey, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. We need to be able to do that. Yeah. And until we have grown to that point, we're really not mature in Christ. Until we can thank God. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. You know, you, you, you mentioned that what must be written down and must be a required statement, by, especially people in official circles, if you go to a bank after something like that has happened to your 
The son was shot. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Those people hear that a hundred times. And I know when I, when I do a funeral for somebody, I try to get with the family members, and I say, and the friends, and I say, you need to be with this person, the one who has lost their loved one. And we're uncomfortable. We don't know what to say. You don't mm -hmm. have to say anything, Hart. What you pointed out, just be there with them and for them, and that's going to comfort them. And they're going to need that for a long time. Absolutely. Think about this. I'm sorry for your loss, or I have just planted a tree in your son's memory. Do you feel the difference between those two statements? Do something, not just say something. Do something. Our time's up.